LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. All right, everybody, it is Steve, the Rogue Scholar. Happy Monday morning to you. Folks, I um, I was going through some stuff this weekend. I went through two divorces in my life. One of them, I married a Holy Roller, and I can almost hear the song by Spirit Box, Holy Roller, Holy Roller, definitely, okay? And then I said, gee, many Christmas, man. I got the judgment, all the judgment you can package in one box right there, man. It was all about judgment. I had been a drunk, drug addict, scumbag, got sober. She met me when I was getting baptized and we had dated in high school. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, I couldn't deal with the rules, regulations and the condemnation and the constant pressure and the finger pointing. It's always my fault and everything. I lost my mind, okay? Marriage number two, I married Lucifer Supreme. And it got to the point where, you know, when you're with somebody, you expect that they're not going to cheat on you, right? She would come home reeking like chlorine, if you know what I'm saying, like those cum trees that you smell in the cities. And you just had to almost ignore the fact that she's cheating on you because you want to be with your kids. You don't want your kids to go. So you like suck it up and just do it. But in your mind, the reason you're upset is because you have expectations that when you get together with somebody that they've got your best interest at heart, that they want you to be happy, they want you to succeed, they want your dreams to come true, just like you want their dreams to come true, just like you want to help them get along, right? And so when your expectations are that you can trust them to go out, you can trust this, you can trust that. And then when they come back and they do exactly the thing that you probably shouldn't have trusted them for to begin with, it's kind of like reality hits you like a ton of bricks. You got the expectations. You're living in this white picket fence. White night's going to sweep me off my feet. My $50,000 wedding and the big blown out uh, hoop dress or wedding dress and the train and all the other expectations that we have and that we dream of and so forth. and just know that over the weekend, I had that feeling in my stomach, that gross feeling of you got done took, dude, you got fucked. You know, you were an asshole. I was an asshole. Guys, I was trying to get through recovery. I was trying to do with a million demons. She knew that when she was going into it, you know, I was not a finished product. Her father didn't like AA. Her father didn't like the church I went to, whatever. Right. Remember, I came from a right wing background where any of you Judgy people on the other side start judging. Fucking hate judgy people. Disgusting, right? Oh, I'm judging. Anyway. But the point I'm making here is this. I'm going to share my screen with you. Let's see if this rings a bell for you. Because it rang a bell for me. This is another one. This right here is not the one that I want to show you. So let me show you the one that I want to show you first. And that's this one. This right here is... A post I made today based on something that happened in 2016. Let me show you the picture. This right here was a Bernie rally in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And there were lots and lots of people there. And it got way more than this, by the way. And there's more pictures. I just don't have them up on Twitter. Um, 
what I said was, this is what hope looked like in 2016. They're, they're right there. This is the expectation based on hope. It's hard to feel anything short of revulsion for Team Hillary and other establishment disgraces who gave us Trump. In many ways, I'm grateful they destroyed hope because the hope was false, but the people were hopeful. And for that, I despise the Democratic Party for what they did to the people of this nation and their worthlessness, pushing up Clinton, Harris, Biden, and wastes like Buttigieg. They're evil, evil. For those who don't like that word, let me say it a little louder. They're evil allowed me to take the hopium and flush it down the toilet and see them for what they are. These people, every one of them. God, I wish I had some of the other pictures of the huge, I mean, Harrisburg's a small little place, okay? Harrisburg is a tiny little place. And so for me, you know, when I thought about it, you know, it was like my heart was broken. I mean, I remember when Bernie did his concession speech, I was sobbing, literally sobbing. And I went live because, you know, back then we had a much, much larger audience than we do today. I probably have five or 600 people watching me live. And I'm sitting there sobbing at candlelight that Bernie Sanders conceded. And the expectation, once again, my virgin brain exploded when I realized the elections were fixed. They were rigged. They weren't going to allow progressives leftists to win, period. This is a story here. We're talking about this story right now simply because it shows kind of what created a lot of the left space. I mean, the left has always been around in some way, shape, or form, but Bernie Sanders gave people hope for a change, okay? And so a lot of people that otherwise would never have considered themselves left became kind of left. They kind of learned what left was, kind of, not really, because Bernie's not really a lefty, okay? But they started feeling that pull away from American capitalism, U.S. capitalism, U.S. imperialism. They started feeling a pull away from something and towards something else. And then when Bernie capitulated, it made all of us feel gross inside. Well, everybody with a conscience felt gross inside. Those people that were always going to vote blue no matter who and didn't matter anyway. They were just, you know, this is what we do. We, we fight like mad during the primaries and then we fall in line for the, the, there's bad people out there that believe that and follow that. Okay. Anyway, the idea of expecting better, of believing better, of believing we had a chance was a huge amount of hope. I, as I called it in the post, hopium was, crazy, right? I believed for a minute. I, I, I threw away my doubt and I allowed myself to be as a child believing and expecting to win because I couldn't imagine either Hillary or Donald Trump beating us. We were powerful. I felt, remember that Sacramento picture of Bernie standing there in front of the huge audience, right? This is not a Bernie stream. Trust me. We're not Bernie is just the setting the table here for us because there's people out there, normies, that are going to fall in line for Marianne Williamson. And when she finds out that the Dems aren't going to let her in, she's going to throw all her support behind the nominee, which will be Joe Biden. Okay. What are you going to do then? Okay. It's the same fucking playbook over and over and over again. And they're going to do it because they are still living in a fake world. 
they're still living in a world where hope exists for this bullshit system that we know is like when I say we know, there are hyperbole like Alex Jones out there that says, I know, we know the world, new world. It comes up with a million excuses why Sandy Hook was a hoax and why this was you know, paid crisis actors and all this other shit. I mean, this is not that way. These are proven things I'm talking about. Okay. We know full well that the Democratic Party is not allowing anyone that has the title progressive in front of their name to get in there. And so I have given up on the Democratic Party. That does not mean that I think there's a third party out there that can do anything either, because there isn't, folks. And so when you're left with, and some idiot will come to you, well, what are you going to do then? What do we do then, Steve? If we're not just going to vote for Marianne, we're not going to just vote for Biden. What do we do then, Steve? And I've said it countless times. Nobody wants to hear it. And that's the problem. That's where the expectations and the reality hit. Because most people aren't willing. They aren't willing to make their mind see the truth. The truth being that they are not voting their way out of this. The capitalism is so strong. Fuck everybody's acting like capitalism isn't strong, okay? Capitalism has a vice grip on people. It has a vice grip on society. It's got a vice grip on governments. Now, the good news is, and you may not think this is good news, but the good news is the rest of the world is indeed waking up. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a thread here by my guy, Wesley Wiles. And I'm going to show you this because I want you to understand the way this, the last tweet in this thread works out. So you can see the differences between expectations, desires, wishes, hope. I mean, we have on the front cover, we have Leonardo DiCaprio, and then we have Austin Powers, right? Kind of showing you like the wish versus whatever. Well, in this case, I want you to see the thoughts that goes way beyond the possibilities that you're used to thinking about. And then the death knell at the end. Here we go. Watch this. So in this particular uh, tweet thread, he says, Russia canceling debt Africa held is a real move. Russia canceled debt that Africa had with them. Okay. Now China needs to take its 800 plus billion in U.S. bonds and pay off Africa's 700 billion debt to the U.S. and IMF to dump its USD holdings instead of good purchases while keeping the USD out of foreign markets, as happens with FX swaps. Let's see, this is, this is hope right here. This is hope. This is not just hope, it's possible, right? This is the difference. It's not just hope, it's also possible, okay? Then he comes down to the next one. This is it's a really good thread, so I hope you guys, if you get a chance, look at this. He says, then use the temporary weakening USD to attract imports from places Africa, like Africa to capitalize with China's debt state money through trade balances, as well as attract foreign investors during the domestic consumer growth that the wanization of Africa would basically do. Just make sure eventually it dewans. In other words, you don't want Africa to go from Empire A, US, to Empire B, even though that's not what many would say, but Empire B, China, okay? So it says, I made a case for canceling African debt to the U.S. to help China recapitalize it 
with its debt while simultaneously keeping USD liquidity out of foreign markets to drive the transition. It has to be quick motion, not slow rollout, though. He's like, if China took it, anyway, I just read that. So he said, I made a new thread with corrections, and he tagged some people. Anyway, he goes, I had this idea in February, made a slight, slightly more thorough case, okay? So keeps going, and here's what he says. Yeah, I'm certainly surprised to see Russia make the debt jubilee move. They have been stuck in sound finance mindset for a long time. China could do it. They have Michael Hudson and other MMTers in their ear, but I'm not sure they're serious about challenging the U.S. Now we're starting to get to reality. The BRIC system doesn't challenge the USD price indexing for global commodities in any sense. What it's doing is setting up a non-U.S. bank payment system to access the U.S. global trade system more fluidly. They want more access to U.S. trade system, not less. They have to get the yuan out of the global financial system for countries to hold them in the first place, to even begin creating an alternative to the U.S. dollar hegemony. Yuan barely makes up 1% of finance in the foreign markets. It's not comparable. Them saying multipolar is kind of a joke. And you can't get your currency out into those markets and countries by exporting. That gives you the surplus of the other country's currency. In other words, when China is doing that stuff with the U.S. and they receive U.S. dollars, that's not helping them in that sense. So that's why China keeps its money parked at the Fed, earning interest in bonds, only because they keep getting U.S. dollars. But they, if they don't need them, they don't need them, right? Which this is all, they're dumping the dollar. Well. They're trying to create a payment system that is not dependent on the U.S. SWIFT system, which the U.S. uses as a weapon. And sadly, most people won't equate austerity as murder, sanctions as murder, etc. Okay. But he keeps going, he goes, China likes being a net exporter for geopolitical power dynamics. It's acquired and doesn't know how to transition from, but they better do it soon. The only purpose for having such a large manufacturing infrastructure is to export. And if they imported, they'd lose power as a manufacturer. But they cannot gain any more geopolitical power as an exporter because finance is a part of the legal system and that runs the whole game. Folks, this right here is a huge deal. Right here. Shit. But they cannot gain any more geopolitical power as an exporter because finance is a part of the legal system and that runs the whole game. Now, if that runs the whole game, let's get me on the mugshot here. If that runs the whole game, why do you suppose meme after socialist, meme after socialist meme, they don't talk about modern monetary theory? Why do you suppose people continue posting socialist meme after socialist meme after socialist meme? but it doesn't include MMT because it's not like socialists don't already know socialism. What they don't know is economics. They're economically illiterate. So what is our play there? Our play is to educate them because if we don't educate them, we're stuck with a bunch of memes for socialism that do nothing other than preach to the choir. That is not effective. Let's get back to it. Oh, let's get back to that. So it says, but they cannot gain any more geopolitical. Okay. It would give countries like Africa 
they could cancel debts of freely cap wharf freely capitalize the ability to develop manufacturing infrastructure themselves just as china had done then over time help other currencies join into reserve status so someone could be rolled back I'll wait till you hear it. this is where it gets tricky although this all depends on the u.s would even let china do it think about that would the u.s even allow china take its bond holdings flip it over and pay off the African IMF debt. This is the key here. You have all the hope you want, all the dreams you want, but in the end, if the U.S. doesn't do it, it doesn't matter. He says, U.S. holds China's bonds at the Fed. Isn't a single damn thing China could do if the U.S. said, no, not gonna do that. That is the real reason why China wants away from the U.S. The egalitarian stuff is mostly hand-waving. And I said, here we go. That's a good point. Almost everything possible is made impossible by the capital order within the U.S. interests blocking it since their purpose is not our purpose. And this is where it gets funny. And I'm, I love the fact that somebody's saying austerity kills. I mean, this is clearly one of my tribe here, right? They say their purpose is not our purpose. Good point. Why are they leading? My comment clearly, because folks follow. Just like they do bad alt media, they follow. Now, here's the where it gets tricky and weird. He says, no, they really aren't. The system's on autopilot. Party apparatchik is going through the motions and the gears are grinding away, but half of eligible voters aren't even registered. Half of registered voters don't claim either party and folks who register don't bother. Let's start there. Let's just focus on this right here, this one right here, okay? And I wanna tell you why we're gonna focus on that one. The reason we're gonna focus on that one is this. They're still believing that this system, that if we had all these people registered, we could simply vote our way to paradise, vote our way to progress. That's all it takes. Just, just people are, you know, they're not registered, so they can't vote. So what are we gonna do, right? Well, I see that and I say, eh, this is where we kind of have a difference of opinion, right? So then he comes back and he says, the folks you think you think are following, and see, this is stuff I would love to believe. You see, I like it. The folks you think are following are in fact carrying torches and pitchforks. The facade of disunity is a smokescreen designed to hide the truth that we're not following. We are in fact coming for our oppressors, eat the overlords. God, wouldn't that be great? And I said, I wish, and I hope you're right. I see a small segment in the Venn diagram that fits that though. Comes back small but mighty and growing. The kids are all right. This is where we get differences. I said, too many refuse to understand economics and therefore would be doomed to really bad things. They listen to voices that are economic illiterates. I fear this so badly. Crypto fascists masquerading as leftists. Because, yes, worthless as humans, destructive as allies. As long as they are working for Mad Max future, they won't fit in my worldview. So here we go right? Every possible outlet is going to start humping Marianne Williamson. You see things happening very quickly outside the borders of the United States, though. Honduras just broke off relations with Taiwan and embraced China, okay? That's a big deal, okay? 
There are other countries that are literally breaking off. Mexico breaking off, going to the BRICS. Okay. When we say the BRICS, this is not like, oh my God, the end of the US dollar. But see, this is what I'm saying, right? Without knowing how the system works, you're doomed to the lowest common denominator and whoever has the loudest voice. And so the hopium that they come out with is like the idiots that are pushing for state-by-state -state Medicare, okay? We said repeatedly, listen, we're not your enemy, we're your ally. We just happen to understand economics. Now, what did they do? Like any disgusting drug addict or whatever, they went shopping for a doctor. They went charming for a far, shopping for a pharmacist that would tell them, no, no, no. You can have Medicare for all at the state level. Honest, you can. They didn't care who it was. As long as that person was saying, oh, I'm an economist and I'm telling you it's possible. doesn't matter if that person didn't know their ass from their elbow. As long as they told them what they wanted to hear, they were fine. And they ran with it. And we got excommunicated, which is fine. Because if you're the kind of person that runs off and just takes whatever, because they said what I wanted to hear, you ain't my tribe anyway. I don't believe in faith-based politics. I don't believe in tribal politics. I don't believe in party politics. I don't believe in my team, your team. I believe in truth. Okay. And the problem, and this is where we come back to the subject of this thing. Truth ain't winning the day. Truth is not winning the day. You know, a lot of people, well, it's not really whether you're right or wrong. It's how people feel. It's how they feel. It's how they feel. And, you know, imagine trying to make change where you've got a military, 800 bases across the world, a military that is so badass that it dwarves that of China and Russia combined. Come all the big ones combined that's how big and bad our military is now remember poor military soldiers have been brainwashed they have been brainwashed into these colors don't run bootstraps right-wing ideology many of those folks leave out of there and join proud boys and things like that become libertarians Mouthy libertarians. Because, see, libertarians aren't really anti-war. They're just anti-state. And if the state does something, they're anti-the state. Okay? But in the end, if you dare touch their property, they would love for somebody to come there with a gun and shoot you. Because ultimately, you aggressed their property. His private property is king. So, in reality... When you're screaming for a revolution, you're screaming for voting for a third party, or you're screaming about reforming the Democratic Party. All of these ideas, these scenarios, require significant effort, significant work, significant planning. 
because you're up against not only the Pete Peterson Foundation, who is there to make sure that our lives are hell economically, but you're also there with the most jackbooted police force in the world. And you also repressed by the largest military the world has ever seen. You've got nukes, you've got tactical nukes, you've got tanks, you've got planes, you've got trains, you've got automobiles, all that good shit. You've got tons of stuff. This is what is maintaining the system. And so you could shout at the devil, but without having a plan, without organizing, without skipping some of the fun shit you might like to do and focusing it on some of the stuff that needs to be done to address that, <clears throat> you're either left with drinking the hopium and campaigning for some rando or recognizing it doesn't work and sitting on the sidelines and sitting on your hands or really truly organizing and learning and understanding, really putting on the proper lens so you can see society as it is. People are terrified of admitting they can't vote their way to better. They're terrified of believing that they can't vote for eh, just five or six more squad members and everything will be better. They're terrified that if the Republicans get in, doesn't matter how bad the Democrats are, doesn't matter that as awful and disgusting and disgraceful as Donald Trump was and all his boorish mannerisms and all the crazy nonsense he tweeted and whatever, and all the deregulation and slashing and burning of important regulations he did that brought on things like the Norfolk Southern derailment. Okay. Never mind that stuff. You've got Biden who has taken the Russian scare full bore, ran with it. You've got Biden who is setting up a cold war with China, totally. And you've got the rest of the world who's looking at us and saying, nope, we're done playing with you. We're done playing with you. And you're watching them break away. Now, mind you, a lot of this may be more symbolic than real. Let me just be fair. But in the end, we expect that we're going to win, that we have this idea in our head that it's going to happen, that we're going to just win. But I ask you, how do you, how do you manage to put that into your head and believe it? How do you put that into your head? Because nobody's doing the things necessary. In order to survive the current environment without having numbers and having to live, we don't have enough people fighting back on interest rate hikes. They don't even, the fucking other groups don't even understand what the impact of raising interest rates does to the black and brown people in their own community. But yet they talking about Ukraine, they're talking about Russia. They don't focus on these things. And so the people themselves are ill-equipped because they're not being trained by their favorite alt media. They're not, it's being ignored. So when you talk about a revolution, what are they gonna revolt with? Are they gonna just revolt about like nukes in Ukraine? While I certainly feel like that's an important thing to talk about at some level too, right here and right now, the austerity mill is coming for people here and you're going to see more people end up dying 
And it's not just here because when we raise interest rates in the United States, it has an impact for everyone around the world. All those people that are holding IMF US dollar denominated debt, it impacts them. All those people that have bonds, all those countries that bought bonds at low interest rates and have US debt, it impacts them. This is war at a level you didn't even think it's 3D chess. But because people only know the gun, they don't understand the weapon being used. And so they're not talking about it. They're not talking about it. So how do you range the expectations into reality when people aren't even listening? They think what should be done is this thing. It should, we should have healthcare. We should have green energy. We should not be at war. We should, we should, we should. You know, that saying one foot in the future and one foot in the past means we're shouldn't on today. Well, we're shouldn't everywhere. We got should piles of should all over the place. Piles of should everywhere. Expectations are not matching reality. Tell me, explain to me. In very simple terms, explain to me like a child how the Green Party takes over Congress and the White House and the Senate and the judiciary. And tell me, explain to me, they don't even provide paid support to their candidates. Their candidates are completely on their own. Explain to me this electoral revolution through third parties. Explain it to me like I'm a child, like I'm five years old. Hold my hand and guide me through the path. This is not to say I'm against third parties. Say it's bullshit. It's not happening. And to believe you're going to do something within the duopoly is even less defensible. It's even less reality-based. The whole thing's a fucking sham. And the people themselves don't understand why things are getting worse. They just know. Oh, you got money for Ukraine, but you don't have money for X, Y, Z. If we just cut over here, we could spend over there. Literally missing the point. Literally missing the point. Because the point isn't that they could do this. Of course they could do it. They could literally spend countless dollars building the war machine while spending countless dollars giving us everything in the world we needed. So this just goes to show you that it's not a matter of not having money or not whatever. It goes to show you it's all about what is the purpose of our government. And the more the facade breaks away, the more you see it fail on its face. When I say fail, it's not failing, it's succeeding. The more you see it fail to meet your expectations, the more your childlike belief that the government will do if we, it's just hard. You just don't understand. It's hard. What do you expect from the, you don't understand how hard it is to get things done in Congress. You don't understand. No, what I understand is this. What I understand is this. If you know that Congress is captured and you know that getting reelected and going through and voting time and time again for all these bullshit initiatives of going to war and cutting spending and doing this and the other, if you know that that's hurting people and you know you're not achieving anything, by being in office voting for that stuff. Why would you not accept and fight to be a one-term representative to go up there with the bully pulpit and fucking wake society up? I can tell you why. Because our expectation 
and the facade they put on is absolutely 100% your reality. You believe it. The whole country fucking believes it. And they watch Rachel Maddow and they listen to corporate news like it's telling them something important. And they walk away as if they're informed. And that's enough. They're done. They're done with the subject. They've moved on. It's over. They're done. I was on status quo the other day and we were talking with Lewis and uh, Zainab about, you know, East Palestine. And there is some parliamentarian style rule that says, well, if they don't say the governor doesn't ask for help from the feds, the feds can't declare it an emergency because of the 10th amendment or whatever bullshit, right? I am telling you right now, every time a parliamentarian jumps out of the woodwork, it's to defend capital. It's to ensure capital gets what it wants. Okay. And I have to tell you, the expectation meeting reality, I think people are just so afraid to admit not only that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, that the reality that they've held on to for however long they've been above ground and out of their mom's womb is a lie. And the amount of work they figure that they're going to have to go through to rewire their brain. And what sacrifices am I going to have to make now that I know this truth? I tell you, we've been pumped full of capitalist logic. We got to make more. We got to save more. We, we're good people if we get degrees and we have houses and we have families and we make a lot of money. The more money we make, the better we are because it's quite clear we had the right priorities. Okay. This is so deeply ingrained that once push comes to shove and you get past the bit, yes, they accept that politicians are corrupt. Yes, they accept that the system isn't going to serve their needs. And all of a sudden you're like, so what are you going to do about it? And that's when reality hits. You realize they're not going to do a goddamn thing. They're going to vote for Marianne Williamson, go get a skinny latte and call it a day. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. And, you know, I, I, for me, I'm torn because I recognize we are so far, so, so, so far from being a united front ready to take on an establishment, to take on the capital order. We haven't got what it takes right now because people are still living in a fake world. <clears throat> They're living in a fake world. And the idea of what they would have to give up if they acknowledge that is too much. It's just too much. And when people start killing themselves because of unemployment, See, I did a show the other day on lagging indicators. It wasn't really a lagging indicator about it. It was really more of the fact that the delayed pain, the pain will be delayed. The lag is in the pain, right? We raise interest rates today. The pain and suffering doesn't get felt for like eight months, a year down the road. Why is that? Because it, the impact that they're striving for is not something that's immediate. 
And because they're not doing it in a targeted way, it's a blunt force object. They're going to kill the economy. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to people with a lot of money. But for regular people who are living hand-to-mouth, paycheck-to-paycheck, when the shit hits the fan, you don't have anything. You don't have family. You don't have friends. You don't have money. You don't have whatever. We don't have a federal job guarantee. Why? Because the capital order does not want us to have a federal job guarantee. It's not because the federal job guarantee isn't possible. It's because what is the purpose of government? Well, you would say to serve the people, of course. That's not what it is. What kind of government that serves the people would call blacks three-fifths of a human being? Our constitution and everything else has always been set up to support wealthy landowners, not regular people. But we've got these placards in our mind, these these 1,700-year memes in our heads that talk about rights, and these rights are inalienable. You know, I watched a documentary on Waco, and if you don't haven't seen it yet, I recommend watching the documentary on Waco. It was shocking at some level how bad our government was and how piss poor you had jackboots over there that were just ready to fucking end it by any means necessary, ready to bring snipers in, shoot. And what happened? The Branch Davidians had millions of rounds tons of 50 caliber fully automatic weapons that could pierce the armor of tanks and they were ready to roll but what happened after they killed 48 atf agents the big guys came in and when the big guys came in it was just a matter of time before they freaking killed everybody and sure enough 80 some people died at waco now they are crazy as hell freaks whatever for sure but in the end you're fighting those people. In the end, those people are the ones that are defending austerity. Th- those police are the ones defending the capital's right to starve you. Okay? Think about it. So, are you prepared to fight that? I know I'm not. And here's the thing. Most people don't understand what's at stake. They don't understand any of the implications of what austerity is. They don't understand any of the implications. And like I showed you with the China and Africa thing, how China could pay off the debt of Africa, completely unwedge them from the IMF, give them freedom and help them build the kind of productive capabilities that would allow Africa to become a financial superpower, to become a resource generator, to become a real powerhouse which the united states the imf etc have done everything they can to extract and to deprive but it's there could be done now i'm not telling you this to create fear i'm doing this to break the veneer in the end it doesn't matter reality is reality whether you accept it or not the earth is round whether you think it's flat or not okay We have to breathe whether you like oxygen or not. We have to do all sorts of things. It's just reality. But acknowledging reality fundamentally rewires your synapses in your brain. It fundamentally rewires what you prioritize. And it fundamentally changes the urgency you feel. 
I, I kind of have this thing in my head that until we educate people, how would we rebuild a financial system, a means of distributing goods and services in a post-capitalist world? I mean, there's stuff by Jacques Fresco on a resource-based economy and stuff like that. But in reality, I want you to think about something. The fight between Stalin and Trotsky. Stalin believed everything was fine within the Soviet Union and that, you know, yes, eventually maybe we would go and take socialism around the world. It wasn't like he was anti-spreading the word. But Trotsky believed that there was no socialism unless the entire world was socialist. Why? Because as long as there's capitalist states treating with socialist ones, capital is going to have a totally different goal than the social. And so it's going to be a constant fight. So better to convert them all, right? So this is the problem. We have people with differing ideas, different opinions. The establishment, though, is on one course and one course only. They're not split 40 ways to Sunday. They're literally focused on maintaining the capital order. And you've got people with guns, none too smart, maybe not even very well educated. Maybe they got a, you know, their college degree when they could get it for 500 bucks in a bowl of soup, or maybe it was even free. But now that people are carrying a hundred thousand, they're busy telling them, well, when I was a boy, I paid off my student debt, right? Those same people, they would defend the capital order because they're mean spirited and evil, disgraceful people. But they're people that we're going to end up having to find a way to bond with at some level and educate at some level because there isn't going to be a proletariat that rises up and takes over. Given the kind of lack of knowledge we have and given the lack of unity we have and given the lack of understanding of economics we have. Most people are following people that don't give a flying fuck about economics. But I'm here to tell you, when you say follow the money, there's a reason you say follow the fucking money. Because it in and of itself is the game. It is the game to get to the real resources. To get to the fucking resources, you got to know the finance. If you choose to ignore this, you're fucking everybody that follows you. And by extension, all of us are held back by that weak link. And they're gatekeepers too, so their people don't come and visit. They don't even learn the other stuff. They just sit there and suckle. Did Cynthia McKinney say the Jews own the Federal Reserve? Oh, well, let me come back here and hear more of these brilliant tales of economics. But you do you, baby. You go ahead and listen to those fake-ass bitches. You go listen to those frauds. They're peddling economic illiteracy. How in the world can we beat a monster like the U.S. empire for our own purposes? Now, mind you, it wouldn't just be us. It'd be the whole world, right? The, the world's doing their part. We have to do our part. We have to get smart and we have to say, no, that's not true. We know what you're saying isn't true. But we don't do that. We don't stand up and say that. We allow people to just snow us with bullshit because the alternative is too painful, too much to believe in, too much to overcome. And so we suckle back to myths and legends. We embrace 
our powerlessness. We don't unite. We don't fight together. And therefore, we end up stuck. And so the charade, this electoral charade, will go on. And many people that don't have any money will suddenly donate money to Marianne Williamson or whoever the candidate is, thinking they're fighting the existential threat of Donald Trump part two or Ron DeSantis part one or whatever. And look, these are real things, man. I don't think you can impact them with the electoral process, but they're real things. Fascism's here. It isn't coming. It's here. And it's in both capitalist parties. One with better bedside manners. But we don't have a response to this. And this is a big deal because economics and fascism, kissing cousins, baby, these guys, they know how the game is played and they use it to great precision to keep us begging. Sir, by chance, please, sir, will you give us some more porridge? Tremendous, tremendous amount of pain. Tremendous amount of pain in seeing the world as it is. And this is not one of those silly, like, feel good stories where, you know, oh, my motivational speaker tells me that, you know, everything will be all right if you just rub your belly and pat your head. No. Reality is reality. What you do with reality is another story. If you choose to embrace that this is reality and take steps to change reality, that is an empowered position. If you sit there and recognize reality, say it's too much for you, and go back to believe in falsehoods and say, let's just vote for some more progressives. It'll make the world a better place. It'll change everything. If you do that, see, this is how we fail. And there's no way of getting around it. There's just no way of getting around it. This is about capitalism. It's about money. It's about state power of money, creation of money. It's about acknowledging the fuck how money gets created instead of allowing the dodo birds to run around and say, the Rothschilds own the Fed and they're the ones creating the dollars and the U.S.'s entire debt to the Fed, to these Jews and all the other stupid, stupid shit they say. God. Damn, these are our tribe. These are the people we've got to depend on to go to war. And they are fucking busy talking about the rat childs. Jesus Christ, what idiots. You have to stare the devil in the eye. And this is why, for me, MMT provides us with the lens. The lens to see things clearly, the lens to understand the financial system and how it's operating and how it's being used against us and how it's being used against developing nations. This is why geopolitics is so important. There's people out there, good people, friends of mine probably too, that are sadly still believing they got a good stock portfolio, so they're not willing to give it up. They don't care about all this geopolitics, all that nonsense. Everything. I just care about MMT, and this is what Mosler says, and this is what so-and-so says. And I agree with a lot of what they're saying. The problem is, is that Bill Mitchell said it perfectly. So you all that are 
feeling a little bit weird. You're an MMT and you're like, wait a minute, hold on. Just remember this. Bill Mitchell said MMT is not the theory of everything. You've got to have a theory and an understanding of class dynamics and class consciousness. You must understand this to be effective. MMT can be used by Republicans to understand the economy the way they want it. It can be used by neoliberal Democrats to understand the economy the way they want it. And it can be used by socialists that they won't because they're, I don't know why. I have no idea why. It's depressing to say the fucking least. But ultimately in the end, the system is the system whether you like it or not. Whether you like the fact that the US government is the king of the dollar, whether you like that or not, it's true. And whether you believe that the US government gave autonomy to banks through charters and gave them a rule book and said, here's what you do. And you believe that the government is somehow or another in debt to private banks because you don't recognize the government created the dollar and then gave them charters to be agents of the dollar, fiscal agents, if you will, of the dollar, monetary agents, what have you. If you don't understand that, then you're going to keep parroting bullshit. And we're never going to win, ever. We're never going to have a coherent theory of why things are the way they are. It's just going to be the hand wave the system. And if you're somebody that has so little facts and so little details about what the system entails, that the system is enough of an explanation for you, it's not going to be enough to break through. That's the problem. You've got to be able to get through the propaganda. And the biggest propaganda there is, is the financial propaganda that is used against us to keep us in this hellhole. Reality versus expectations. Expectations where you just think the shoulds, we should do this, it should be this way. Of course, that's the way it should be versus how it is and accepting that. It's, it's not that you're accepting this is the way you want it to be. It's that you're accepting that it is the way it is. You're accepting reality on its face. And then you're willing, because this is what a leftist would do, what a revolutionary would do. They say, now that I see the devil for what it is, I'm ready to fight the devil back. But you can't fight a devil you've created a fake straw man about to claim this is the way it is. The Jews are this or that. So with that, there's so much more to say. My time, however, is coming to a close here today. So let me just say this, April 4th, we have, and let me pull it up so you guys can see it. Let me pull it up so you can see it. I would like you very much to see this. So give me one second. Let's go ahead and share our screen. So for those of you who don't check our podcast, I don't know why you don't, but we've got lots of them. We just released our 218th episode, or excuse me, 17th episode with Brian Romanchuk on Bank Failures 101. I mean, look, we've got tons of very important shit here. If you're not listening to them, you're not doing the movement any favors because the movement is full of people that don't listen to them, and that's why they don't understand economics. But if you come in here to media, and you look, we have an RP bookshop, book club. But if you come in here to get involved and look at the events calendar, 
you notice right here. Nope. Well, shit on a stick. I'm sitting here trying to tell you guys this stuff, and I don't even see it on here. That blows. Let's see if I can get to April. Maybe that's why. Uh, oh, there we go. Thank you. April 4th. So we have this RP Live Austerity in the Capital Order with Clara Matei. She's coming and joining us. And we're going to be doing a book club shortly thereafter where we'll give you guys copies of her book. Um, the capital order and how economists created austerity. But if you come in here, and I'll put this into our chat so you guys can rush out and register real quickly. Looks like somebody already did it. Thank you so much. I'm going to do it again anyway, just because I'm anal like that. But if you look, register for the webinar, okay? You can listen to her episode with me right there on Macron Cheese. If you don't listen to Macron Cheese, why? If you're not asking questions, if you're listening to it and you're, you're stumbling on so something said and you don't understand, why don't you leave a comment? We'll try and answer it. But ultimately, this is what we do. We do live streams, we do podcasts, we do book clubs, and we do webinars. We do a lot of this stuff, and I hope you guys will take advantage of it because this is how you learn this stuff. So without further ado, I want to thank you guys for joining me today. Please, um, if you're not already, let's go ahead and do our thing here. Let's go ahead and make sure you guys see this. Let's get you guys subscribed. Let's like the page, please. I hate asking that. It feels like such a no-brainer that, like, if you understand the fight we're in, we need you to subscribe. We need your help getting us past the algorithms. Please leave comments. Please share. Do all that happy stuff. In the meantime, though, just start embracing reality. Start coming into grips with what we're up against. And start getting serious about fighting back. I'm Steve Grumbine, and I am the Rogue Scholar. I am out of here, folks. Have a good day. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org. 